Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 30 of the Four Feathers podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. I'm joined tonight by Tony Marchese. It's time to crack them and get caught up on the Hawks. Uh, cheers, buddy. Cheers, Tony. How you doing tonight, man? Yeah, Johnny, I've uh, I've seen better days, you know. Uh, it's been a rough little start for our White Sox over on the uh, the baseball side, but we're here talking Blackhawks hockey, and uh, I like taking a break from some of the baseball stuff to catch up on everything that's been going on this off season. Um, it's been uh, it's been a little bit action packed, I'd say for for the Blackhawks, and I'm excited to break some of this stuff down. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Like you had mentioned with the White Sox, um, both of us, uh, big Sox guys over for ONTAP Sportsnet. But um, we're here to talk Blackhawks hockey, and uh, I'm excited for that. Hockey's my favorite sport. Um, development camp's underway. Uh, we got the prospects in town. Uh, we got some trades to talk about, Tony, some exciting stuff. Uh, this is episode 30, the Ed Balfour episode. Um, I-, I am just... Uh, excited to uh break some of the stuff down here um i think uh you know the the up and front thing here is that the free agent frenzy the trade uh frenzy has kind of come and passed that whole chaotic week where everything happens kind of all seemingly within a 24-hour period um that's coming past and stan bowman made plenty of trades before the deadline even occurred um olimata acquired from pittsburgh uh, John Quinville, granted this is a smaller trade, but, you know, John Hayden shipped out uh, to New Jersey. Calvin DeHaan, big one from Carolina. We had discussed all of these previously on a episode of Four Feathers. Um, I think we have a couple of blogs up on ONTAP Sportsnet about these trades that I had just mentioned. Um, the one that we got to start with, Tony, we're just going to jump right into this Hawks content here, uh, is Andrew Shaw coming back to the Windy City. Um, terms of the deal. 2020 second round pick, 2020 seventh round pick, 2021 third round pick sent to Montreal in exchange for Andrew Shaw and a 2021 seventh round pick. That happened right before that whole free agent frenzy that I had mentioned started. Um, That happened on June 30th, that trade. Uh, What are your initial thoughts? Andrew Shaw back in Chicago. Well, Johnny, you know what? I like how we're getting right into this because I think this is a good (laughs) – good jumping off point here for you know we talk about some of these trades that happened before this is kind of the the first big big move i think outside of the the dehan trade this is kind of the 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 big move that stan bowman was going to make at this point in time on the trade market and you know a lot of people when this trade happened there was some mixed reaction right obviously you see this pick package for andrew shaw and you think to yourself this is a lot, you know, uh, a second round pick, a seventh round pick and a third round pick. Those could be pretty valuable picks depending on how the Hawks play over the next few years here. Um, but you're getting back a guy who's another familiar face. And some of these moves bringing back the familiar faces, Johnny, they haven't worked out. You know, you saw the Marcus Kruger reunion. You've seen the Patrick Sharp reunion. We've seen the Brandon Saad reunion. None of these reunions, and even if you want to go back, you saw an Andrew Ladd reunion too. None of these reunions, Johnny, have have they lived up to expectations? No. No. Okay. So we're both on the same page here. But I really like this trade. 
I'm going to come right out. This is one thing that we've been doing over with Socks on Tap. The meatball take. Here's my meatball take on this. I absolutely love this trade. Why? Why do I love this trade, Johnny? Because Andrew Shaw is exactly what the Blackhawks need to get the edge back that they lost when he left. Johnny, one of the guys that you and I liked a lot last year, and Ron Luce and I did a whole entire episode about this guy, Drake Kajula. And why did we like Drake Kajula so much, Johnny? Because he brings an edge to the Blackhawks. Yes, he brings an edge. And there's another guy that we're going to get into that brings an edge here. Um, But Andrew Shaw, he plays hard-nosed hockey. He is an agitator. He is a guy that is not afraid to go to the dirty areas of the ice, cause some chaos, protect his line mates. And, you know, if you're out on the ice and Andrew Shaw is, you have to be aware of where this guy is. Yes, Andrew Shaw takes some really dumbass penalties. When Andrew Shaw was here on the Hawks in his first stint, I don't know if a game went by that I don't remember saying to myself, God damn it, Shaw. Why are you doing this right now? He can frustrate you, but he can also frustrate the opponents. And the Blackhawks, ever since he left, they have been somewhat lifeless. And this is one of the things that we complained about up until we saw Drake Kajula show up. And then Kajula gets hurt, and you kind of saw the, the, the life come out of that Blackhawks first line because he wasn't there. The Hawks need a guy like this. It's not a, it's not one of those things that, you know, you can just kind of bypass. We look at who the Stanley Cup champion was. And you look at the two teams that played in the in the in the Cup final, Johnny. What was one thing that both of those teams had in common? Well, they had an edge to them and it was all up and down the lineup. Exactly. And the Hawks, if you look at most of their team right now, it's still all the same skill guys. It's Alex DeBrinkett, it's Patrick Kane, it's Johnny Taves. You know, the the the, the main bulk of talent isn't agitator, go to the dirty areas type guys. So I really loved the addition that Stan Bowman makes here by bringing Shaw back because instead of trying to replace Shaw, you just brought him back. And I feel like in a playoff series, Shaw's the type of guy that can give you that extra edge. This is a move that you make for a team that is trying to get to the playoffs, and you're making that move for round one saying, I need a guy like Andrew Shaw to get underneath the skin of the opponents because we didn't have that. You know, So I, I really love bringing him back. And then you go and you further validate this trade the next day when you see the money that gets tossed around. That was the other side of this, was people were complaining about the contract. 3.9 through 2021-22. That's that's a decent cap hit. Almost $4 million for Andrew Shaw. You know, in my opinion, if we're going back two or three years and you're trying to, to re-sign Andrew Shaw, you'd really realistically like to pay him two, five, maybe three. I think was was kind of a space where I would have been comfortable signing Andrew Shaw. But then you go and you compare it to some of the deals that are handed out here in this this free agent market and if Andrew Shaw was a free agent and you got him on a 3.9 Johnny I would be happy I don't know about you but I would be very happy signing Andrew Shaw for 3.9 
in this in this offseason. So if you think about it from a free agent standpoint, I know that the draft picks are going back, so it's not a one-to-one here, but I'm okay with that cap hit. I really am. Uh, let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, so I'm okay with it too because, like you had mentioned, I think the biggest thing here is the money that's also being thrown around around the league in free agency. And there, there's been the uh, idealistic types um, that, you know, the Hawks needed another top six forward here. Um, well, why would they not target Patrick Marlowe? The Leafs just traded Patrick Marlowe because the cap hit was too much there. I mean, granted, they also do have some, you know, young and up and coming stars that are just signing big deals. Um, a William Nylander over this past season. Uh, I feel like that'll help, you know, that'll partially handicap them um, for some seasons going forward here. But um, they, they had to dump it. They had to dump it to Carolina. Um, and I, I don't think that you were getting that affordable. Nothing out there was coming very affordable, Tony. And I think that's the biggest thing here when you mentioned Shaw at 3.9. Sure, if you're thinking back when the Hawks were would have signed him originally, what that contract would have looked like, you probably would have wanted to pay less. But then again, the cap was lower then, too. Um, the cap's up at 81.5, uh, I believe, is the uh, um, cap set for this year. So, um, I mean, I, I agree with you. For, for the price compared to what is you know the other options were on the free agent market and what some of these guys are signing for or what they will sign for in a Ryan Dezingle case. Um, I do I do like that as well. And then just getting back to an earlier point that you had made, um, my favorite word, Tony, you've, you've heard it a million times. I've said it in group chats. I've said it in person to you. It's edge, 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 edge. Yep. And what I mean by that is the Boston Bruins. Watch the Boston Bruins play hockey. I know they lost the Stanley Cup this year, went seven games, hard fought. The only reason they even got there is because they play with an edge, and that is from top to bottom. Um, it, it doesn't matter. You're one of your top scoring wingers, David Pasternak. I'm not, I'm not saying Patrick Kane and uh, Alex Jabrinkit need to be doing this. Obviously, they're undersized. They're not going to be doing this. But there's a mentality there. Um, everybody is playing with an edge. Pasternak's throwing some checks along the boards. He's taking away space from opponents. Um, Was it Tori and, Krug who went and just absolutely lit somebody up earlier in this uh, in this playoff series too? Yeah. You, know, I mean, you it, see it, some of these hits that come out and just change the fucking momentum of a game, Johnny. And Shaw's the kind of guy that does it. You know, you're, t- you're talking about edge. Go ahead, man. But you're right. The Bruins, when I start to think about the Bruins, I think about a team that's just going to play hard-nosed hockey. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it, like it, it's like you had mentioned, Tory Krug, even he's a little bit undersized, but he doesn't mind throwing the body around. Um, I think Andrew Shaw's the perfect uh, definition of the guy who's undersized, but not afraid to go to any dirty areas at all. Absolutely fearless, Andrew Shaw is. Um, and we'll, we'll get to some numbers here. I know we had kind of had our little meatball session there. Um, some hockey blogs out there may not like it, but uh, we're four feathers here, so we do it our own way. Um, let's get to some numbers, though. Shaw is coming off his best season. Uh, 19 goals, 28 assists, 47 total points, over 63 games for Montreal Canadiens last season. Um, you had mentioned his contract, 3.9 million cap it through 2021-22. Um, and the last note I have here is bringing back the edge. So we're, we're going back to that. Um I think that Shaw is a dynamic piece in that you wouldn't consider him a top six winger, Tony. I don't think anybody is arguing that he's a consistent mainstay. Oh, yeah, he's totally going to play all season on the first line with Jonathan Taves. No problem. Um, he's a guy that you can slot up and down. I'd say you can play him anywhere. Well, first of all, you can play him anywhere 
on one through four, but I would say his most consistent would probably be on one or three, to be yep. honest with you, just when I think about it. Um, if they do want to throw him up there with Taves on that top uh, line like they did with Kajula last year. And I'm not saying he's a permanent fix there, but you you know how a wine blender works. I mean, I know Q was very vigorous with it um, in changing it up, but Colleton wasn't afraid to mix it up either. Obviously, he tried Drake Kajula out there. Um, and I'm not saying it's the answer because the, the, you'll you'll go and you'll see a lot of Twitter pundits um, who are the end all be all, and they're they're the uh, you know uh, the uh, mountain of hockey knowledge out there, uh, at least in their minds. I'm not saying that Andrew Shaw should be playing on the first line every game or will be playing on the first line, but I do think it's valuable that you can plug him up there. Say when you're playing a team that's an asshole team. Say you're playing a Philly. Say you're playing a Winnipeg Jets and you need it. It's uh, it's something that's kind of invaluable, and the Hawks have been lacking. We had it a little bit in Drake Kajula last year, but he got injured. Um, as soon as he went out, they were they didn't even utilize John Hayden. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he didn't even get his time to uh, uh, do uh, perform in that role that uh, he would have filled with uh, Drake Kajula's absence. So um, that that's just my uh, initial reaction to the Andrew Shaw trade. Um, I think that it's a, you know, that, that whole segment could be considered our uh, meatball take of the day. Um, and, and I don't I don't really care, Tony. Um, that, that's just that we're just going to tell it. Um, how, how we think the game and obviously uh, the season will uh, tell us more about Andrew Shaw's game and if he's going to be a contributor on offense like he was a little bit for the Montreal Canadiens last year um, let's hope he can stay healthy uh, I think that was a thing too uh, he missed some time last year uh, up in Montreal so um, that'll be something to keep an eye on too but hey um, that's the style guy- of that's the style of his game you know, yeah, he's not going to he's not going to be healthy yeah, because he's not shy away from it. Yeah, he, he throws the body around. And when it, you acquire a type of player like that, you know, people are going to go out there and say, you know, why would you go get a guy who's going to get injured all the time? Well, you know what? If you're going to play cool and tough hockey and you're going to get into scraps and you're going to go to those dirty areas and you're going to play like that, you're going to get injured. That's just, you know, and that's just part of the deal here. You know, so I'm not expecting a full season out of Shaw. I'm expecting him to get banged up because if he's getting banged up, he's doing his job, Johnny. That's that's how mm-hmm. I look at it. You know, that might be a a bad take from my part, but I th- that's the way I see it. Is guys like Kajula and Andrew Shaw, they're going to get banged up. That's their style of play. And and, and you know what, you bring up a, a point here because if not I'm not advocating for anyone to get injured. Obviously, you don't want anyone to get injured, but it's sports. It's a high impact game. People are going to get injured no matter what, whether it's a freak accident or a collision play or just them playing the physical style that Andrew Shaw does. If not him, say there's no Andrew Shaw here. If not him, who? Right. You want Calvin DeHaan, one of your top, you know, he's just coming off of shoulder surgery. You want him to be your uh, guy that mixes it up every once in a while. Um, you want, uh, you Do you know, want Jonathan uh, Taves Drake. out there mixing yeah, it up like it, he it, had to. You, you, you bring up a good point, Johnny. I really like this. How many fights have you seen Johnny Taves get into since Andrew Shaw left? I'm uncomfortable yeah, uh, with the number of fights that Jonathan yeah. Taves has been in. Yeah. It, it. I mean, like you'd said, it's if not him, then who? And I'm not, I just need to reiterate that. I'm not advocating for anyone to go and play a reckless style of game where they are, you know, trying to get injured or injure other players. But 
that's just hockey. There, there is a, like Ed mentioned, physical high impact element to it. Um, certain guys hit, certain guys have skill and skate around it and score. Patrick Kane, perfect example. Obviously, no one expects him to be mixing anything up at all. But do you want an aging Duncan Keith to? I mean, Brent Seabrook will when he has to because that's just the type of leadership that he provides and he, you know, he's a big body. Uh, he, he's proven that he's not afraid to when it, it's necessary. Um, and someone's taking an unnecessary run at, uh, say, a more skilled winger or uh, you know smaller puck mover defenseman, um, Seabrook will eat some of that, and I, I expect some of that as well this year. That's part of the value. You know, talk about Seabrook's contract being uh, overinflated. Obviously, it is. Everyone knows that. Um, that's been you know beaten like a dead horse. So we don't need to uh, continue on that. But if he can provide some sort of value there, um, it could be in some of that regard. Um, but from the forward group, yeah. Um, Andrew Shaw, and then another guy that I am so excited to talk about uh, when we get to our free agents. But, uh, Tony, do you have anything else on Shaw? If not, um, then we need to move on to the next trade. You know what? Welcome back, Andrew Shaw. This is, I think, something that if you're Andrew Shaw, you probably didn't expect to happen, but in the back of your mind wanted it to. And I'm pretty sure he came out and said that. You know, he, he has always thought about a return to Chicago and didn't really see it realistic. I think when we saw him sign that contract with Montreal, none of us thought that he was coming back. You know, it, it, it just didn't seem to be in the cards. Um, I'm happy he's back. You know, that some people may not like that. You know, you, you kind of touched on it before. But, you know, I'll, I'll just rest on this. This team, since 2015, has missed two individuals more than anybody else, and that is Marion Hosa, and we are 81 days away from Blackhawks hockey as of yesterday, so happy Hosa days away, and Andrew Shaw. Those are two integral pieces to the Hawks winning Stanley Cups and going far in Stanley Cup playoff series, and since these guys have been gone, we have not seen it, so... You're not going to replace Hosa very easily, if at all. And Andrew Shaw was that other piece. You've now gotten that back. So kudos to Stan Bowman on this one, I think. Um, hard to give him credit all the time, but I'm going to for, for this move. Pat Comiskey might, might have a different feeling on it. Um, unfortunately, Pat and Ron are not on with us tonight. I was, I was kind of hoping to get their takes, but... Um, you know, I, I think that this is a is a good move for the Blackhawks organization. Uh, we talked about all the money, everything. Welcome back, Andrew Shaw. I'm excited to see him back in the Indian head. Uh, he just defined for me. Um, just he's a he's a hockey player. He defined, you know, respect the Indian because when he was on the ice, you had to respect what the Hawks were doing. So I'm excited to watch him play. Uh, I've always been a big fan of his style of game. Obviously. And I just can't wait to see him back out there on the ice. And that's all I've got. Now let's do, let's talk about the flip side of the coin. We talk about a guy that's got edge. Let's let's talk about the next acquisition here because um, I think that's a good segment or segue into the Nylander trade. This yeah. is a guy that uh, the Hawks have acquired from Buffalo in exchange for Henry Yokiharu And before we get into the the Yokiharu stuff, let's talk about the guy coming back. Alexander Nylander, he is not 
a guy that has shown that edge, I think, in his tenure <laughs> so far. To uh, say the least. To yeah. say the least. Uh, you know, there are some red flags with his game. Um, I'll let you get into it because, to me, this is the polar opposite of an Andrew Shaw. So let's let's talk a little bit about Nylander's game, and then we'll get into the whole fact that we gave up one of our top defensive prospects for him, and then we'll we'll kind of decide how we feel about this trade, which I already know how we feel about it, but I'll turn it over to you. You can give us the rundown on Nylander. All righty. So you had mentioned the deal. Henry Yoki, Haru to Buffalo in exchange for forward Alexander Nylander. Background on Nylander. Alexander Nylander is the eighth overall pick in 2016 um, by the Buffalo Sabres. He is signed for 863.3K um, through 2021-22. He's a restricted free agent after. Um, Alexander Nylander is the younger brother of William Nylander, who just landed a lucrative contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs last season after holding out for all of uh, October and November. Um but unlike his brother, um, Alexander Nylander has not been able to find it at the NHL level yet. Um, he has a total of two goals, two assists in 19 games while averaging 1220 uh, time on ice in the uh, that, you know, very, very small um, sample size playing in the NHL for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, he has 30 goals, 56 assists um, in 165 games over three seasons for their um, AHL affiliate. And that came after um, a fairly decent campaign in the OHL um, the season before being drafted. Um, the overwhelming consensus, Tony, and this is where you'd mentioned those red flags. He has a bad work ethic and lack of a motor they like to call. So motor and finger quotes. If you could see me, Tony can see mm-hmm. me. I'm doing it. Um, uh, we're not going to rag him completely positive. He does have smooth hands. Good puck handler um, can, can dance around some guys. Um, and he's got a decent shot from the left circle. Um, he, he can snipe a little bit. Um, think, you know, not the same level. Obviously, Alex Debrink has established himself. But um, think his OHL highlights look, you know, similar to uh, some Debrinkit shots uh, from that because he is a right-handed shot um, using, you know, that uh, left circle kind of where Ovi sits on a power play, um, that, that sort of area. So think that for positives for Alexander Nylander. Um, and then another positive, he joins Carpenter, Shaw, Debrinkit, only right-handed shots in this forward group. Um, and of those, Debrinkit, obviously the only shooter, sniper type. Um, none of those other guys are going to be beating goalies consistently, um, just because of their shot. So, um, Tony, the, the red flags are the biggest thing here, though. We had heard plenty of comments, uh, reaction, replies to tweets, Instagram posts, whatever. Um, the people in Buffalo just said this guy doesn't try. Said they thought he was too good to be in the AHL level. And for that reason, didn't put forth the utmost effort that he could when he's trying to, you know, make his way up to an NHL roster spot. And I think the most concerning thing to me, Tony, about Alexander Nylander is that Buffalo is a team that is just thirsty for talent around a guy like Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. Around, you know, it's a defensive side, but a uh, Rasmus Dahlin. Um, other than that, there's really not a whole lot of elite forward talent there. Um, the fact that he could not 
put forth the effort enough in the AHL to prove himself worthy enough for other than, you know, a little, like we call it in baseball, a cup of coffee call up. There are the same things in hockey where they get a little taste. A few games, obviously only 19 games over uh, three seasons. Uh, with this time in Buffalo's organization at the NHL level, that is just concerning to me. Um, are we getting Nick Schmaltz 2.0? You know, th- th- that's a name that uh, you and I kind of discussed when we when we were breaking down this deal in our group chat was Nick Schmaltz 2.0. And, you know, th- I've got a pet peeve for people who just think that they're going to get everything handed to them and don't want to put the effort forth to work and, you know, earn it. And I, th- I think that's what bothers me the most about uh, his profile is the fact that people are out there saying, you know, he doesn't even want to earn it. He feels like he's too good for the AHL. What kind of effort is he going to give in Rockford if he doesn't make the roster? You know, and, and if you're not going to earn it there, what makes me, th- what what gives me any confidence that you're going to actually work once you get to the NHL? You know, you, the Blackhawks are a team that, that players have historically wanted to come play for. You know, you've got great leadership with Johnny Taves and you know he talks all the time about you know what it's like to wear the Indian head and to me if I'm reading this if if I'm a hiring manager you know hiring somebody for a job and I I get this kind of feeling you know you call for call the references up and I say how does this guy perform how does how does he carry himself you know just in his day-to-day and I hear you know this guy doesn't try he feels like he's too good for this you know, he's, he's, you know, these are raising red flags for me right off the bat. I don't want that. I don't want that on my team. I, I, I'm not going to hire that person. I'm not bringing them on because they're not going to respect the effort and the hard work that it takes to make it. And, you know, you, you immediately saw him, this is Alexander, come out and say, you know, and make some comments about how he's so excited to play for this organization. And, you know, he kind of threw a little bit of shade would you say back over to Buffalo and to me that's all fine and dandy that you want to go back and say oh you know it didn't work out there maybe he didn't want to be there maybe he didn't want to be in Buffalo but if you're an NHL player and you think of yourself as an NHL player and that you're too good for the AHL prove it to me go be the top scorer on that AHL team Go out there and prove it. You know, we're big Sox guys. We talk about top prospects getting called up, and you can equate this back to baseball. You want that guy to push the envelope. I'm going to use a Rick Hanism. Push the envelope. Force the issue. That's not what this guy was doing at all. You know, he was just kind of meandering through the season down in the minors. Well, that's fine, but you're not going to get the call up unless there's an injury and an absolute need. And like we talked about, there was a need there. There was a need for Buffalo. So to me, all these red flags, they just keep telling me the same thing over and over again. And I hope I'm proved wrong. But he doesn't seem like the type of guy that if it's not handed to him, he's not going to go out and try and and push that. He's not going to go out there and try and make it known that he is better than an AHL forward and go out there and earn that spot. And that's what I want to see out of some of these guys. I want to see him earn it. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, we, we've done some, uh, you know, criticism here of Alexander Nylander, and it's, uh, you know, those people in Buffalo. Think about upstate New York. They have the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres. Other than that, they play second fiddle to New York City that has two professional hockey franchises. They are dialed in to everything. Prospects, obviously this guy was an eighth overall draft pick. They expect him to be part of the solution when they drafted him. Um, I, I When I was pulling up, you know, uh, let's see some highlights on this kid. Uh, a, a Buffalo fan had made a video, one of the first ones that I saw, the future of Buffalo. I mean, that is the expectations that they had for this guy. And like I said, a, a team that was not uh, overwhelming, uh, having top talent on their forward group, and you can't crack that, um, and you just can't figure it out at the minor league level, just red flags all around, Tony, and, and that is not um, encouraging because uh, we, we haven't even touched on what we sent we sent out there. So um, uh, we will – I'll leave it on – couple positives with Alexander Nylander. We've done our fair criticism of it. Um, he's in prospect camp, so we will see how he uh, maneuvers through that. And then, obviously, uh, a training camp will be coming up later, um, a couple months from now. And uh, he'll be you know, trying to make a team. That's the, that's the bottom line. So let's hope that work ethic is better. Um, the few positives that I'd mentioned, he joins, uh, you know, he'll be one of the four right-handed shots of the forward group, barring any uh you know, further trades here. And if he can play that skill game, like I said, he has decent hands, decent shot from the left circle. He could become a supplementary sniper is what I'm going to call mm-hmm. it. Tony a little play on words here behind Elks to bring it. If he is able to develop some chemistry with these guys, learn from Kane Taves to bring it Strom, all these guys that are already here and established. And hopefully, like I said, become that supplementary guy on that left wing behind uh, Debrinket. Maybe he plays a second power play unit if he's, you know, like I said, work ethics up and he's actually proving that he is worth an NHL roster spot, uh, not just sitting in the press box because they feel his effort's not there. Um, So this is all, you know, best case scenario for Alexander Nylander and he can fit a role for this team and it's kind of a sneaky top six get um because people like to argue that you know andrew shaw's uh um he's not a top six forward and i I would i would agree with that i would say he's a uh um we call it in baseball uh little platoon but i would say he's a uh movable um he's movable up and down your lineup andrew shaw is whereas alexander nylander does not have that edge to play a third fourth line game he'll probably need to be on a first or second line so um Let's just hope for the best from him. Um, we've already done our fair criticism of it. So if we see him in the AHL and continue to flounder, um, I actually will not be shocked one bit. Um, I don't think many people that are really in tune with what's going on uh, or what went on in Buffalo will be that shocked. So um, it kind of sucks that we're thinking, uh, you know, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. But honestly, that's the position that we're in right now. Let's talk about Henry Yogi Haru, though. Uh, we haven't even gotten to this yet. Um, Henry Yogi Haru was the one that we sent out. Um, my initial reaction, WTF, Tony. I, I have it in the notes here. You can see it on our rundown. I said WTF. Um, we never gave him a fair shake, in my opinion. I wrote a little blog up, um, some kind of, I guess, reactionary thoughts to this trade. Um, it's over at ontapsportsnet.com. Some 
uh, some thoughts on the Yoki Haru trade if you want to go and read it and see all these. But under Coach Quinville, 15 games, Henry Yoki Haru averaged 21-34 average time on ice. Um, under Kaladin, 23 games, 17-18 time on ice um, was the average there before being banished to the AHL for the rest of the season. And we had the likes of Slater Cuckoo come in. Um, you had Gustafson, <laughs> uh, you know, floundering in his own zone, obviously put up some points, uh, offensive defenseman there. But uh, obviously the defense was horrendous last season. That is uh, putting it lightly, I would say, Tony. And uh, it just seemed too early to give up on one of your top defensive prospects. Um, there, there are a couple sub notes that I have here, but I will let you sound off first. Uh, what are your thoughts sending Henry Haru away? Uh, you know, you kind of saw the writing on the wall with this ever since Q was let go. Uh, Q loved what he saw from Yoko Haru and and had him out there on the ice and then the Hawks started to play games with him and I mean you just kind of gave the rundown on it and it just it just felt like for the rest of the year that there wasn't any room in the system for him and you gotta wonder you know you talk about Quenville's influence on the front office and how far that it went was Yoki Haru drafted because he was a Q guy you know, did Stan Bowman draft him to appease Q? Was that the guy that Q really liked? Um, we don't know. We don't. We don't know the answer to that question. It's easy to make this kind of speculation just based on the playing time. Um, did Yoki Haru fall out of the fold out of something that was his own doing? Um, I mean, Jeremy Colleton was the coach of the Ice Hawks. So he he got to evaluate the talent that was down there in the AHL. Not that Slater Cuckoo was was an AHL guy for for so long, and and that uh, Carlton liked him. But you know there was other guys that that Carlton got to spend a lot of time with that he probably favored over Yoki Haru, who came right into the Hawks and uh, like was a Q guy. I, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. So I don't know. I don't know the reason why he kind of fell out of favor, but the stats certainly said that he was one of their best defensemen while he was on the Blackhawks. So you can't argue that he was effective in his time here. Um, The one thing that, that really showed how the Hawks felt about Henry Okiharu is when they sent him overseas. Um, I, I, I believe if I remember correctly, Yoki Haru did not want to go. And the Hawks told him to. Um, that, to me, was the beginning of the end of Yoki Haru in Chicago. Even though, you know, they said that, uh, you know, they still really felt high on him and that he was going to come back. And, you know, I just, I, I didn't feel if at any point in time during the season that he should not have been on the Blackhawks, especially, you know, you mentioned some of these names and how they played last year. I, I feel like it was better to have Yogi Haru in the lineup than Brent Seabrook. So you can't say that, that the Hawks were flush with defensemen and had the the choice of whether or not they wanted to play Henry Yogi Haru. So... I don't know. This it, it just seemed like the relationship was broken from the get go, especially after co- after the coaching change was made. But even even that being the case, um, you know, I don't know who else was available 
at that at that pick for the Hawks, but man, it, it's really rough for a fan base who's watched this defensive core struggle, and then to go into the draft thinking, you know, you've you've got a, a, a top four defenseman easily draftable right here at number three to pass on him go take doc and then a few weeks later go and make this deal right after that happens and send away a potential top four defenseman for your team arguably this year because I I, I think Johnny I had him penciled in as a top four defenseman this year I don't know about you, at least in the in the rotation of the lineup every day, wh- whether he slots in one through six, that that's really not the not the argument I'm making here. But he was he's a starting NHL player, I think, in my in, in my opinion. And go and trade him for a guy who might not even be on this team when the season opens. So I don't know how you how you justify that. I, I don't think that that is justifiable. It just it makes no sense to me. Obviously, there was a broken relationship because there's no other thing that I can think of that would justify this trade outside of the fact that they they have some sort of knowledge that we don't that they're they're getting a top six forward who's going to be a, a outstanding goal scorer in the NHL. And I don't think that you can say that Nylander is going to be that right now, just yeah. based off track record. So, yeah, when you're looking at the straight up trade, yes, it does seem unjustifiable. Um, and I'm still I would say I'm still upset about it because I believe Henry Henry Haru was obviously in the NHL for a solid period of time last year. Um, but I think what we need to do is just dig slightly deeper here, Tony. And I'm not saying that this is a you know uh not my justification i don't think it's my uh um preference here but this is what the organization may have been thinking so i do want to just get into this really quick i think they are very high on both adam boquist and ian mitchell that is my underlying philosophy here um they felt that yoki haru would have been the odd man out so to say with so many defensemen already signed on for the season and they Felt that, um, you know, he wasn't going to be part of the mix here. And they were going to try and do another reclamation project. Like, you know, they got Dylan Strom from uh, Arizona last season. Uh, traded another former first-round pick in uh, Nick Schmaltz. That's what this trade was for Yogi Haru for Nylander, a swap of former first-round picks. Uh, granted, Yogi Haru at the end and uh, Nylander at the beginning. So when you're just looking at draft status, I mean, technically, you know, the Blackhawks got the higher ceiling player i'm doing finger quotes again you can see me the listeners can't but i am doing finger quotes around that higher ceiling player um technically by the numbers there um i think it's a combination of all these things stan bowman felt that he struck gold in the dylan strome trade last year feels like he can do it again with um alexander nylander uh and then you know we may be we may be thinking different things about this trade johnny in six seven months you never know you, you never know exactly and i'm just offering you know this is not like i said my personal i'm still a little bit upset about it um but i'm off, trying to just offer for our listeners tony a uh, you know justification for why this uh may have went down and i think they're really high on adam boquist and uh both him and ian mitchell ian mitchell will ret- most likely return to denver 
Um, but he does. He made it very clear today after the first day of development camp that, uh, you know, he does intend on signing with the Blackhawks. Loyalty is big to him, yada, yada, yada. And Adam Boquist, his quote, uh, this is via Charlie Romeliotis. He's Adam Boquist says, of course, I want to play in the NHL, but we'll see. I want to turn pro quick, and I think I'm ready for that. He thinks he's ready for it. Does the organization? That's a different question. We'll see more over prospect camp coming up here. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, training camp, that'll be a huge uh, point for uh, making Adam Boquist development shit. Last year, Tony, Adam Boquist stayed with the team past those three preseason games when they usually send guys down. And we had thought, oh, my God, are they going to give him this yep. nine-game tryout? Is he going to make this team? We were all, you know, we kind of – I just put myself back in the situation at basically – fast forward at two months, but in 2018, not 19. And I was writing a blog about it at the time. Like, oh, my God, Adam Boca was just staying. And it was a shocker to me, even someone that is, you know, fairly invested in what the prospects are doing and how they're progressing – so maybe they feel that he is almost ready to make that jump. Um, just offering thoughts of their justification for it. Um, I don't like the trade because I don't like Alexander Nylander's work ethic. We've beat that um, into the ground, Tony. It's time to move on. Um, unless you have any closing thoughts on that trade. I've got no closing closing thoughts on this. I just hope that, like I just said, uh, we feel differently about this trade in you know six seven months or a year from now even if it's two years from now um you know there's there's plenty of time for this trade to end up working out uh my confidence in this is not very high but we've seen weirder things happen johnny so um yeah uh, hope hopefully stan bowman uh is smarter than all of us on this one uh armchair gming is a specialty of all of us especially all of us on the four feathers crew um, and the armchair GM would not have made that trade. Uh, I wonder if uh, if you could even make that trade in uh, a video game because it just didn't seem like uh, <laughs> if it it didn't seem like it, the kind of trade that anybody would uh, think up of in their own minds here. Um, but to each their own. Uh, like I said, hopefully we're proven wrong. Let's get into some free agency stuff though, because this is where I think things get pretty exciting here. Um, Let's let's go and talk about the the biggest free agent signing of the offseason for the Hawks. One that I don't think either of us saw coming. I don't think anybody saw this one coming. Uh, nope. Johnny, let's uh, let's get right into it. Who did we sign? So the big fish that the the excuse me, I'm just thinking baseball here. The big fish that the Blackhawks signed uh, on that July first, that free agent frenzy, as I like to call it, um, that first day. Robin Leonard. Uh, he was signed five million. Uh, just for one year through 2019-20. Uh, that was happened on, like I said, that first day, July 1st. Um, last year, Tony, unbelievable campaign for the Islanders last year. 25-13-5, six shutouts, 930 save percentage, 2.13 goals against average, was a Vesna finalist with the Islanders last year. It led them to the playoffs. They overachieved all year, as people would want to say, but I think Leonard being the backstop of that team was a huge reason why, and it was just not getting as much press because there was a lot of stories. You know, obviously the Leafs get a lot of coverage out there. Bruins get a lot of coverage out there. Um, Penguins, even still, um, kind of like the Hawks effect in the Central. Uh, Penguins out East, they get a lot of coverage. Caps reigning champs, that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, the Islanders kind of get overlooked there. Um, and uh, Leonard was a huge piece of it. 
Um, and, and Tony, this is one thing that you and I were together on Saturday. One thing that you brought up. So I'll, I'll let you touch on this more, but it was a, I think a very, uh, human element that led Robin Leonard to the Blackhawks because the Blackhawks did not inquire or question his sobriety issues. Um, and I think it was made uh, public in reports that other teams had, and they wanted to kind of track how that was going, whereas the Hawks showed some good faith um, in him, and obviously he you know, put up or shut up on the ice, and he put up, and that was what they were concerned about. So mm-hmm. um, I'll hand it over to you. I love this, though, because Cam Ward's gone. Um, you know, that was okay. He was an okay, just an okay backup. I think we discussed this on Saturday. Um, but Robin Leonard gives you a uh, – I would say that he's going to take over the number one role because, obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty about Corey Crawford. Um, this is more the transactions one, so we will get more into Corey Crawford in a later episodes we don't need to touch too much on that tonight but i do think robin leonard will end up being your number one this year so i'm very pleased with this and five million one year gives you flexibility going forward if you want to resign him or if you want to go a different route so that's my take go ahead so yeah we touched on this on a shy Sox weekly uh live that we were doing from our our uh, shy Sox weekly co-host shy Sox john's house so i excuse everybody who didn't hear this from from Johnny and I, we almost did a half hour four feathers uh, in that live episode towards the end there, while uh, while our guy John was making a, a beer run, and uh, you and I just decided to start talking hockey in the midst of a really bad White Sox game, uh, and we had some we had some interesting back and forth on on Hawk stuff, but uh, I'll, I'll say what I said then, and that's that. I want to give a kudos to the Chicago Blackhawks for this right here and not questioning Robin Leonard's sobriety and actually believing in the guy. Um, you know, it's easy to uh, look past numbers because of a guy's past. And one of the things that the Blackhawks did, especially with Scott Darling, when they gave him a second chance, uh, was that they didn't question the guy's beliefs or the guy's you know, willingness to try and overcome his own personal demons. And, you know, we all have them. We're all human. And, you know, the Blackhawks took a chance on Darling, just like they're going to take a chance on Leonard. And, you know, the human element to this is so important, I think, in getting this signing done because, you know, you you take hockey aside, uh, this, this guy's had to battle. You know, this guy's had this guy's had to battle his own demons. He's had to overcome so much, and the Hawks are going to give him a chance here. Uh, and you know, he deserves it. You, you look at the numbers that he's put up on the ice; he is an, a, a great NHL goaltender right now, just by the numbers that he put up last year. And you know, kudos to the Blackhawks for for not digging into that and looking at what he's actually done on the ice. Not to say that uh, you know it's it's a great idea to go out and sign people who have off-ice problems or anything but you know Leonard's kind of he's he's recovering you know he's not currently in that situation so you know I I just think this was this was a good move for the Blackhawks to to go and give this guy a a chance here Uh, whereas a lot of other teams were 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 doubting the guy Um, but Johnny what I really want to get into here is the fact that the Hawks Cup teams, what have they all had in common from the goaltender standpoint? 
Two solid goalies. Two solid goalies. And you look at some of these other teams that have won the Cup. They've all had two solid goalies that they can go to. And I would argue that since Darling had his pretty magical run in 2015, the Hawks really haven't had two solid goalies, let alone one. Um, Corey Crawford has not been healthy. And when Corey Crawford has not been healthy, we really haven't had anybody who's been able to take the reins and be an above-average NHL goaltender. You know, you kind of mentioned that Cam Ward was okay, but he wasn't he wasn't a world beater. He wasn't great. Yeah, he I was just, said, just just okay. He was just okay. He was okay enough to just kind of be there. Uh, we saw Calendelia come up. He showed flashes of of being good, but again, I wouldn't really say that he was anything that that showed you. I am going to be the kind of goaltender that can take over a game and and get you into a Stanley Cup playoff run. You know, I, I feel free to argue with me on that no, take, but I, I'm I'm nodding my head here. I had my mic muted, but yes, no, I agree with you on the Calendula stance. I think that will come in the future for him, but right now, no. Yeah. So this move to me was a move that was made to say we want to compete this year. I don't think this is a full Stanley Cup contending roster. I don't think this is a full you know the 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 full picture here. I don't I don't think that we've gotten every piece that we need to this puzzle. But by signing Robin Leonard, you've now made it clear that you are kind of going for it a little bit this year, I think, Johnny. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's Stan Bowman knowing that he's got his job on the line. Maybe that's Stan Bowman knowing that Corey Crawford isn't going to be able to give you a full season worth of good goaltending. You know, you look at the injury history, we've we've solidified the goalie position, in my opinion, because if you get a good split between these guys, and I I have a feeling it's going to go, like you said, with Leonard as your number one, maybe 60-40, you might even see it go 70-30 with Leonard getting a bulk majority of these starts. But you know when you have Corey Crawford on the ice, even if Corey Crawford's your backup goalie, that's a damn good backup goalie. You know, you said we'll get more into the Crawford stuff at a later date, but this is a huge signing. This is a huge signing for the Blackhawks. You know, I don't I don't think that I don't I haven't really listened to any of the other you know, podcasts or um, Hawks coverage that's out there on this signing yet. But in my opinion, this this is probably your best move you've made all offseason. You know, we talked I, about... Uh, I would argue Calvin DeHaan, just because the defense was such a sore spot last season. Um, I would probably put that as my number one, um, just for in terms of positional... Uh, need and where the biggest lacking factor was last year. Um, but yes, th- this just, like you had said, you are going for it here. You uh, give yourself a, he was a Vesna finalist last year. Yep. Holy hell. That is, you know, that is great. And, uh, you know, maybe the deal was the same in New York and he just didn't want to be there anymore. I think that's what uh, Ron Luce would have said if he was on this podcast tonight, because that was his commentary uh, initially in our uh, group chat during it. So I am just, you know, 
no one expected it. I think that's the biggest thing, Tony. So I think it comes as a surprise, and it is such a pleasant surprise because it. Uh, sure, you didn't spend the money on a top six forward that you know you'd probably overpay in for too long anyway. Yeah, you got that, a guy for this season that is going to help make a major difference because a goalie can steal a game. A I was forward say can't that. steal a game for you. Maybe maybe a Patrick Kane can every once in a while with an unbelievable through-the-roof performance. There's maybe three guys in the league that can. Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, and Connor McDavid. Sidney Crosby, too. Yes, I, I believe four. Uh, I'll say that. Um, but, that you know, other than that, a goalie can steal a game straight up. And I think that is the bottom line in the signing. And it's great. And like I would mentioned, term length, only one year. If you really like him, want to keep him around, you have the, uh, you know, you showed the good faith. You did not question him. He may be more inclined to sign with you than with another team in free agency after this season. So um, you know that what? is why I like the Leonard signing a lot. You know what? It's a very it's it's so low risk. And Johnny, if the Hawks for some reason fall out, Leonard's a prime trade candidate at the yeah. deadline. Very good point, Tony. You know, and that's that's something. You know, if the, if the Hawks are down and out for whatever reason. He is such a movable asset, and that's not to say that you can't go and re-sign him again next offseason. Um, he's on the one-year deal. You've got Corey Crawford on the last year of his. Chances are Corey Crawford will not be back next year. You're basically trying this guy out, while at the same point in time, going to go out and try and compete for a playoff spot. You mentioned the goalies can steal games. How many times did that happen to the Hawks last year where – you know, we we put up close to 50 shots and wind up scoring one or get, getting shut out. You know, it just felt like we kept falling victim to goalie stealing games. And then on the flip side, I didn't really feel like we had many games last last season where the Hawks goalies were the reason that we won. You know, uh, I, I yeah, just few and far between. It was few and far between. I can't even remember them off the top of my head right now. Any performances where I was like, okay, that was a goalie win. You know, thank God we've got Crawford, Delia, or whoever else we threw out there. There, there were a couple, but you know, you'd mentioned few and far between. Yeah, there, yeah. There, I'm sure there were a couple, but you know, off the top of my head right now, they're just not. They're not really popping out. And you know, I, I think the thing is not enough. Yes, maybe that's it. They, they might they, be a good team up front. You're still gonna need your goalie in some games. Some the puck just doesn't bounce your way. Some games. That's the way it goes. That's hockey. That's yep. life. That's hockey, baby. Yeah, exactly. So, I feel like this signing was a very, you know, a very big point that Stan Bowman made by saying, "I feel like I've got a core in front of us right now," and, and like I said, I don't think it's I don't think it's complete. But when you go and supplement it with a goalie that can steal you games, a Vezina finalist, like you said, um, and you, you can you can share that time with Crawford, you you basically have an insurance policy too on Corey Crawford now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I really love this signing. Um, for you know, I, I don't think there's anything bad about it for all the reasons that are out there. Um, let's talk about another guy. You're very high on him. This is yes. another signing. I think this is probably your favorite one, uh, Ryan Carpenter. So, Tony, we had talked about an edge earlier. We had talked about the Boston Bruins playing with an edge, a very notable team out east. One team that's done it, even though they're very, very early into their existence as an NHL franchise, the Vegas Golden Knights. 
how do these guys, you know, jump into the Stanley Cup final in their first season? Well, it's because they had role players like Ryan Carpenter. Shore up their bottom six, Tony. Um, the Blackhawks signed Ryan Carpenter on July 1st to a one uh, three-year, uh, one million annual average value through 2021-22. Uh, and this guy, Tony, um, I had to do a little deep dive on him because when I watched Vegas and I, and I watched him and I, I kind of disliked him because maybe it was just the new kid on the block thing. Uh, like, oh, how do they, you know, oh, they just got lucky with all the, um, you know, the, entry, the uh, excuse me, the expansion draft. Uh, they, they got lucky on some trades, some teams trying to unload, um, giving them some solid pieces. But then I looked a little further at Ryan Carpenter's history. This guy was waived by a Pacific Division rival, the San Jose Sharks, in the Vegas Golden Knights inaugural season. Claimed by Vegas in that uh, 2017 year. Started playing for Vegas in December of 2017. And this guy is not, he's a bottom six forward. I'll say that. He's bottom six penalty kill type of forward. He's a center, right-handed shot. One that one thing that the Hawks did not have a lot of. Uh, most of those guys, like I'd mentioned, uh, Alexander Nylander joining Ryan Carpenter, Andrew Shaw, and those guys as the only uh, right-handed shots in this forward group. And uh, he is just tough as hell to play against, Tony. I think this is another thing that may come off as a meatball take and uh, other people overlook this, but I think the value and the edge that Ryan Carpenter will bring, bring to the Blackhawks will make the Chicago Blackhawks a feared opponent again, at least help play into that. Um, we, we had guys, and, and we're going to get to this one next, a guy that we had last year, David Camp. He's okay. He, he's just okay. But Ryan Carpenter mixes it up. Um, I have a great blog out there right, to toot my own horn here. But it is. You've read it. Uh, you can attest to this, Tony, on a deep dive on Ryan Carpenter. And I went into what can you know he bring to the Blackhawks and what he did in Vegas uh, when he got an opportunity there finally. And this guy's not afraid of anything. He's six foot tall, 200 pounds. But he's going up against the biggest of them. Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler in that 2017-18 uh, uh, Western Conference final against the Winnipeg Jets. He was letting them know that the Knights were not going to be pushed around. And you know what? The Knights weren't pushed around. They dictated most of that, and they ended up going to the Stanley Cup final that year. I'm not saying Ryan Carpenter is the reason. Uh, his stats last year, I mean, this is uh, obviously not that year that they went to the Cup final, but five goals, 13 assists, 18 points. Um, but he, he, it's a, uh, it's something that you'll have to watch to really, really understand how much this guy brings to the table. You know how everybody liked my dad was a huge fan of Marcus Kruger at first because he's a penalty killing forward, like, you know, his first stint with the Blackhawks. You know what I'm saying? Penalty killing forward, um, you know, did well at the faceoff dot. Uh, just kind of, you know, put his body on the line when he needed to. Uh, defensive specialist, that type. And Ryan Carpenter is going to bring that to the Blackhawks. And that is why I'm so excited about this. And I just, I really have an appreciation for the guys that do that type of stuff, Tony. And that, and that's, that'll end my rant. I'll let you get your piece in on this. But um, for one million, three seasons, I love what this guy brings to the table. So, Johnny, I, I love it for all the same reasons you do. And one of the things that I felt about this team over the last two years was that the bottom six was so weak. There was a ton of guys out there that just weren't memorable. And, again, I like to compare back Luke to Johnson. Some, yeah. 
that's a great name. Um, I compare back to some of these Stanley Cup teams, and you go and you look at the bottom six, and you're like, this guy's got a purpose out here. You, you just brought up one in Marcus Kruger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's... There's plenty of them. I keep going. Andrew Led. Yeah. Ben Eager. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The, these guys yeah, all served a purpose. Carpenter, I think, can be. Yeah, like a Ben Eager so out there. It's like, okay, what, what's Ben Eager's purpose? He's out there to mix it up. He's a tough guy. He's going he's gonna to give you his all when he's out there. And, you know, they may not play a lot of minutes, but they become fan favorites. And, you know, you, you we talked a little bit about this last year. You're like, oh, Brandon Perlini, he's a guy who could be a bottom six guy, but he's got a role on this team. And you could see it. So when Perlini came over, it was like, okay, we got him. Um, you know, Cahoon was one of those guys where I felt like was a playoff series away from becoming kind of a, a household name. Um, obviously, we know he got traded, but um, there just seemed to be this lack of bottom six guys. And you know, Camp is one of them, in my opinion, still to this day, where it's just kind of like, what is he doing here? You know, he's just kind of another guy. Um, but now you you add Ryan Carpenter. If Andrew Shaw becomes a bottom six guy, that's a freaking awesome bottom six guy. You know, he serves a purpose. Yep. Um, you know, you throw Perlini on there. Now there, there's three of those bottom six guys right off the bat where you've got a role for them. And then, you know, you can add in some of these guys. Does Kurashev wind up on this team? Kubalik, do, do any of these guys wind up on this team? Those guys, those guys, they're not just... And they're not bad filling the blanks, to be honest with you. Right, exactly. So, you know, it, this isn't going to be the Luke Johnsons of the world where or the, the Martinsons, you know. The, yes, good name. You know, the, good name to these, aren't, these aren't just these meh, what am I getting from you type guys. These are guys that either serve a role or are going to have a purpose a further purpose on this team. And in order for you to be a playoff hockey team, your bottom six has to be effective. You know, we talk about the importance of rolling four lines. We haven't been able to do that. And now, and now I finally feel like you have a team, at least on paper, depending on how you construct this, where you've got guys that you're not going to be bored as hell watching out there on the ice. How many times were you were you watching a game and you're like, you know, I'll go back to Martinson. You're like, I really like the way that he's playing right now. <laughs> never, yeah. never. I I, never. I can't ever recall saying that. He's, no, I agree. And Tony, this is to bring it back to baseball again, but we call him quadruple A because there's uh you know the levels in baseball that triple A is the highest rate before MLB. They're quadruple A, so right on that verge. I feel like these guys like Martinson like. Luke Johnson, like they could maybe be on an NHL team, but they're most likely suited for AHL, so they probably fit somewhere in there. I don't know what we're gonna call that. We'll, well have to come up with the term this season. Here, but that's kind of what you, that's kind of what you got there. The vibe, even though I kind of think Martinson's more of an AHL uh, career type, but you know, that's there's gonna be one or two guys on every roster where you kind of question, hey, you know, should they be here? Should they not be here? Just based on that level, yeah. I, I, the ANHL guys, I don't know. We'll, we'll <laughs> figure it go. out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure, figure it out. It. Uh, but there's going to be some of those guys on every roster. The Hawks just seem to have like five or six of them. And over well, the yeah, past two years, yeah. Yeah. On the roster at the same time. 
on a playoff team, you don't have five or six of them. You maybe have one, two. You know, some of these Hawks teams over the last 10 years had zero of those guys. So to finally have worthwhile players filling out that bottom six, and I feel that maybe we're, maybe I'm being too high on this team right now as currently constructed. I feel like there's there's still definite holes but it just it has a different feeling about this roster that makes it worthwhile watching. At least I am more excited about this team than I have been over the past two years with what we've got right now. I think that's I think that's what has me most excited is yep, that yep. I feel like we've got some guys that can fill out the bottom six. We've got some definite more interesting pieces on defense. And then we also have, like we talked about, a goalie one-two tandem that is, I'd say, above average. As long as Corey Crawford stay healthy, I think that goalie tandem can go up there against any other goalie tandem in the league. And I, I just, I, I like the way this roster is constructed. I still feel like you're probably maybe two or three pieces away, but it's so much better, at least for me, going into this year than it was last year. I agree. And just to close the book here on Ryan Carpenter, we are running a little bit long here, so we're going to get uh, to the last segment that we have. But to close the book on Ryan Carpenter, 52.6% on faceoffs last season compared to what they signed David Camp Camp for. Uh, same deal, $1 million, but just one last year. So only two years for David Camp. Um, he was only fifty, or excuse me, forty-five point three percent on faceoffs last season. So um, very similar point production, and uh, I think you're just going to get more from Carpenter, and you will be much more noticeable on the ice. That's closing the book on Ryan Carpenter. I can't wait to see this guy wearing the Indian head uh, come October, Tony. Um, just really quick, Brendan Perlini, another guy that we had mentioned in there. He's a restricted free agent, still has not been signed. Bowman says that he doesn't. Uh, have any issue or any concern that it won't get done it just hasn't been done so that's just a housekeeping note for us to keep an eye on uh obviously we'll always provide any updates on that um as they become available uh via the four feathers twitter and a uh, blog post on ontapsportsnet.com uh hawks currently have roughly two million in cap space slightly over but for meaningful dollars uh two million say so um will be interesting to see uh perlini if he signed uh, what he signed for. Probably so, waiting on um, an Anisimov trade to go through. I would guess so, yeah. I mean, that, this is going to be stuff that's discussed on another one. We wanted to talk about the moves that had already happened. Um, I think we hit that very well, Tony. We gave a lot of analysis on it. Um, we need to move into the closing of this, our very last segment. Development camp started uh, today, so uh, Monday, if you're listening to this later in the week. Uh, development camp started. Uh, that is the prospect camp. Uh, notable names, Kirby Doc, Adam Boquist, Nicholas Bodine, Philip Kershev, Dominic Kubelik, Mackenzie Entwistle, Evan Barrett, Ian Mitchell. Oh, my. Uh, that's that's an exciting group of prospects, Tony. Um, you, you know me. I've been geeking out on the IHF uh, World Championships, so I've really been close on Kershev, Kubelik, uh, those types of guys uh, from NCAA season, um, Ian Mitchell, Evan Barrett. And then obviously everybody knows about Kirby Doc and uh, Adam Boquist, uh, you know, your first round draft picks from the past two years. Uh, Tony, one thing that I saw, I posted on the Four Feathers uh, Twitter, it was from Kirby Doc's Instagram. Looks like Kirby Doc, Adam Boquist, Nick Bodine, 
and uh, Mackenzie Entwistle and Alexander Nylander are very close. Um, those guys seem to hang out a lot. Um, so maybe maybe there's a uh, young culture building um, within this team, and kind uh, of kind of a bond that's becoming formed there. Um, it, it just seems like that. Um, I, I know this is all social media stuff, but uh, they seem to be good friends, and maybe. Alexander Nylander coming over into that mix, you know, uh, him and Boquist. I know Nylander is born in Canada, but still represents Sweden um, when he plays internationally like Boquist. Uh, you know, I, th- I think these guys, when they have a little bit more sense of that um, togetherness, it's going to help. So that's just one thing encouraging seeing going forward. Then obviously um, with development camp itself, only drills, um, which is kind of, you know, the beat writers have been kind of uh, complaining about it on Twitter. And obviously it's always more fun when you see a scrimmage. The only scrimmage will be Friday. And the good news is Tony and I are uh, hoping to head up there Friday to see the scrimmage and hopefully post a bunch of videos from the Four Feathers uh, Twitter and Instagram account. So um, that that's uh, development camp happening this week. Just stay tuned to the Four Feathers Twitter for updates on that. Uh, Tony, anyone that you're really excited about at uh, camp, I would throw my one name out there as Philip Kershev if we're going under the radar, guys, or not the top tier, I guess. So before we get into the names I'm I'm excited to see, I just wanted to send my apologies to everybody in that little friend group that you mentioned um, because it's likely that Kirby Doc and, and Bachwist will get traded at some point in time because Stan Bowman trades all of his first-round draft picks, so... <laughs> I hope they don't get too close. Um, the writing is already on the wall um, for that to happen. So Just simply by being drafted in the yes, first round by yes, the Blackhawks. Uh, that, that is exactly why they will be traded. Um, it, it's just a curse at this point in time. I'm not here to, to try and break it or tell you it's not going to happen. It'll happen. Um, I would say that the, the most excited I'm, I am is for, is for Kirby Doc, though. Uh, you know, you saw a little highlight video come out of him today making some impressive moves. Uh, man, you know, there's something always that, that gets me excited about first-round draft picks. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have gone Doc at, at number three, but I've I've done nothing but like everything about the kid since he's been drafted. Uh, he went on his little media day around Chicago. Um, he's here at the prospect camp making him, you know, highlight real stuff. Um yeah, obviously that's not going to translate directly into the NHL right away, but hey, he he's a big body. He looks like a guy and a guy that uh, isn't going to get pushed around when he's out there. Uh, he's he said all the right things so far. I know you know you got to show it as well as say it, but um, you know I think he can be an impressive player in Chicago. Uh, you know, given the opportunity to develop correctly and. Um, you know, he's the type of guy, you know, we talk about playing with an edge. Um, I, I hope he, he plays that type of game when he gets, you know, up on the, uh, on the big stage here, because, you know, the Hawks haven't had a big center that can't be pushed around. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the day that he's on the ice because I, I feel like that type of game, uh, will, will be very, very important for the Blackhawks in a playoff run. So uh, I'm excited to see how his development translates. I'm excited to see whether or not this guy can try and, you know, force the issue like we talked about out of camp and onto the Blackhawks roster. Maybe he's the type of guy that you you get on one of those nine-day tryouts. 
Uh, we don't know yet, but um, I'm I'm hoping to see good things out of the kid because I didn't really expect with the number three pick that we'd see anybody um, that that could actually make this team out of camp. I think that uh, he actually does have a, a decent shot too. Um, you know, obviously had the had the balls fall in a different way. Maybe the Hawks wind up with a two, and you're getting uh, Capo Caco out of this. Um, or uh, Jack Hughes, but I feel like Doc is the kind of guy he, he he probably doesn't have as high a ceiling as either of those guys, but he can be an effective NHL player. So uh, I'm excited for his future. Absolutely, um, that that's a big name. Obviously, the other one is Adam Boquist. Yep. Uh, you know, that's uh, a guy that we had mentioned. Maybe the Hawks really really like him, and he had said you know he hopes to push the envelope like you had mentioned, uh, be at the highest level as soon as possible um, on the defensive side. So um, I got to do my little deep dive here uh, just really quick. I put out a blog about this, too. It's up at ontapsportsnet.com, prospects to watch at Blackhawks Development Camp. Uh, Nicholas Bodine, um, puck-moving defenseman. Um, he will be at Rockford all this year. So you will see him in the AHL. Um, I don't expect him to make the NHL team. Obviously, there is a number of guys already in front of him um, that are NHL you know, guys that were on the roster last year, guys that are locked up under contract, all of that. So Nicholas Bodine just wanted to watch because um, he looks to me um, a little bit like a Nick Letty type, a little bit. Um, I, I would uh, draw a few comparisons there um, in that regard. And then uh, the one that I had mentioned right before I handed over to you, Philip Kershev, um, Swiss winger. Uh, this kid, uh He's, he's got a nice release on his wrist shot. Uh, he's done some impressive things in the QMJHL. If you listen to Four Feathers over this past season, when we offer the prospect report, um, Kershev seemed to be a guy that always came up in our discussions here. And then uh, Dominic Kubelik, a uh, guy that was acquired from the L.A. Kings last year just for a fifth-round draft pick. Um, he had a really nice showing at the IIHF World Championships this past season, um, or this past uh, spring. So uh, just another guy to keep an eye on through there. Um, and then obviously the NCAA talent, as I had mentioned before, Evan Barrett, Ian Mitchell, and then recently drafted Alex Vlasic. He'll play at least two years at Boston University. Um but, yeah, that, that's development camp. Uh, we'll tweet out all those updates from Four Feathers, and hopefully Tony and I can be in uh, attendance for that scrimmage come Friday. Um, only last housekeeping news bit, uh, Doc did sign his entry-level deal, uh, 925K, uh, three years. So that goes through 2021-22. And, uh, you know, they're gonna, they said they're going to give him every opportunity to make this team out of camp. Uh, so prospect camps where it first starts, where he has the first chance to make a good first impression. And then obviously development camp uh, later in the end of summer into fall. So uh, and then into preseason, too. So um, that is just stuff to look out for. Uh, throw a little shy socks, John, in there. Look out for that. Um, Tony, let's get some closing thoughts here. Yeah, um, I think this was uh, this was fun. Uh, talking talking Blackhawks hockey in the middle of summer. Uh <laughs> never a bad time um you know i like i like the off season so far i i don't think that there was any anything all too terrible uh i know we we didn't really like the yoki haru trade but we we kind of saw some silver linings in there i think a little bit so um i wouldn't i wouldn't say everything's all bad we we've we've made some really good moves um bringing back andrew shaw signing robin leonard um you know the, the the doc edition uh could be could be something that uh 
that we come to find immediate impact from. Uh, I know I'm not exactly the most patient of all people, so I like to see that that immediate re- return on investment. Uh, so I'm hoping to see him make the roster right out of right out of camp. Uh, I think I mentioned that a few times. I think this is a a different team than what we saw last year. A lot of grit, a lot of grit added to this roster. That's what I like to see. I think I think I bitched about it the most last season um, on Forefathers that you know this team just seemed to get pushed around at every turn, at every corner, for every puck battle. Um, you know, it, it was just frustrating to watch. I'm excited to see a team that that has a little bit of a renewed energy to it. Um, you know, the, it's it's been said every year that they're going to come out and and play with that edge, and and we haven't seen it. You know, since they won that cup in 2015, every year they come back and say, you know, we're we're here to go make a run. You know, we're we're going to go back and have that hunger. I feel like they finally have guys that have that hunger. You know, Ryan Carpenter, uh, an under the radar guy. Who's going to have that hunger? Andrew Shaw has never lost that hunger. Um, Kirby Doc, the third pick overall, coming in, he's going to be hungry. You know, you get a you get you get a, a roster that's won a few Stanley Cups, and you kind of lose some of that edge that you had before because they've been there. And there's something to be said for experience, Johnny. I love the experience that some of these guys have, but the, this game changes so quickly, um, and. You got to have that hunger. You got to have that want, and you got to play the full season to the best of your abilities if you want to continue to be a force in this NHL. And I feel like the Hawks, while I've said over and over again, they're not a complete team, but they're going to be a hungry team. They're going to be a team. You mentioned it. You said they are going to be a team that you fear playing against because of the guys that they have now and that's what i want to see because that's going to make the game a lot more fun to watch and you know if i if i had to grade stan bowman so far in this offseason i'm giving him a b minus um and the only reason i'm giving him a b minus and not maybe a b plus a is the yoki haru trade everything else that he's done so far in my opinion has been pretty well thought of i can see the the direction that he wants to take this and that was that was my biggest complaint last year was I don't understand the direction that you're trying to go with this you know we talked about that a lot like what are you doing are you trying to develop for next year are you trying to push this into a full-on rebuild are you trying to make the playoffs what did they keep telling us over and over again last year was that we believe in this roster we think we're going to go and make the playoffs and they fell short and they fell short by a pretty wide margin, in my opinion. They didn't have what they needed to to be a playoff team last year. I think that they have what they need to go compete for that playoff roster tenfold over what they, the on-ice product that they put out there last season. So I see a direction. I see where they're going with it. And I feel like just as a fan of a team, knowing the direction of your team is very important. And at least, at the very least, we can see where the direction is right now. And I think that there's something to be said for that. I'm I'm happy with with what it is. And while it's not exactly perfect, just at least knowing what the roadmap is, that's that's worth it for me to say. You know, we've done some of the right things here. It's hard for me to say that 
because I have been very hard on Stan Bowman in this front office, especially, you know, Rocky Wirtz, John McDonough, and and kind of the way that they handled things last year. But, man, they've made some some decent moves this offseason. I'll turn it over to you for your closing thoughts. Tony, that was that was great. Yeah, you went on a nice little speech there, and um, I pretty much echo everything you said, and I'll back it up with just a few names here. Robin Lunner, Calvin Dehan, Ryan Carpenter, greater than Cam Ward, Chris Kunitz, and Brandon Manning. Think about where we were last season, last offseason. Think about where we are now going into this season. Um, I, I, other than that, your closing thoughts pretty much summed it up. Don't need to be that horse. Um, Tony, great talking Blackhawks hockey with you, as always. Um, development camp this week. Stay tuned to Four Feathers for updates. Go to ontapsportsnet.com for all of your Blackhawks blogging needs under the section Blackhawks right there at the top in the top bar. Let's close it out like we always do, Tony. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Hawks.